So the next uh, stage, the third stage of Anapanasati, is um, is worded this way: One trains oneself, breathing in, I experience the whole body; breathing out, I experience the whole body. So the wording has changed, in that from now on, all the stages are preceded by the expression. Um, one trains oneself. The first sta- two stages, it doesn't say that. It just simply says, breathing in long, one knows, I breathe in long. So it's really simple. And now, th- now uh, what's happening is called a training. You're training yourself. Now you're doing something more than just knowing. And, um, and the first thing is uh, uh, breathing in. Uh, one experiences the whole body. Breathing out, one experiences the whole body. And different interpreters, different teachers interpret this expression, whole body, differently. And uh, you're welcome to interpret it whatever way you want, I suppose, because there's no real clarity what the Buddha meant, because he didn't give it the details so much. But um, the, uh, for myself, maybe, uh, one, one interpretation is it's the whole breath body. It's the whole way in which um, the experience of breathing in the body is experienced. So not just simply the breath, experience of breath going in through the nostrils, or the experience of the chest rising and falling, or the belly rising and falling. But throughout the body, the body responds to the experience of breathing. Um, as we breathe in, there's expansion that goes on not only in the rib cages in the front, but the rib cages in the back. The spine actually moves a little bit as you breathe in. Um, the, uh, your head moves, your shoulders move, the arms move a little bit. There can be feelings of pressure, alternating pressure, movement going down into your bottom of your pelvic basin and even down a little bit into your hips. And some people say down into your legs. So you can actually feel movement. There's like a ripple that goes through it. You know. Some people call it so the whole breath, the whole, whole body refers to that whole experience of breathing. Uh, another interpretation is it means the, the fullness of one breath. So like the continuity of being aware of continuously all the subtle details in the beginning, middle, and end of the breath, the beginning and the, the in-breath, beginning and middle, and end of the out-breath. So that continuity. So if, if you're watching the breath at the nostrils, sensations in the nostrils, you're there continuously. You know, you know, you know, you know, no gap. Uh, you're not just aware of the beginning of the in-breath and then kind of space out and then come back again for the out-breath. But that continuity is there. My own t- personal uh, interpretation, the way I find it useful for me, is that uh, the whole body means the whole body. And the whole, you know, the whole physical body, and so it's more than, you know, it's more than just the breath body, but the whole kind of somehow sense of being completely embodied, being connected to your body, filling out your body with awareness. And what you'll what we'll see as we go along here uh, is that um, being embodied is a very important uh, uh, element of Buddhist spirituality, Buddhist meditation, and so we want to find ourselves connected to the body as fully and completely as we can. It's very easy in the life many people live to feel live somewhat disconnected from the body because we're always thinking our, our jobs perhaps involve using our head and our thinking a lot and um, a variety of reasons people disconnect and uh, it must have happened in the time of the Buddha as well because his instructions here is to become aware of the whole body um, and uh, the relationship of the breathing to the whole body I liken to the relationship of waves to the ocean. Um, the waves are not the same thing as the ocean, but they're not also different than the ocean. Um, the waves are an aspect of the ocean, 
and you could see the waves are more on the surface, and the movement of the of the waves uh, that you know goes down some depth into the ocean. But you go far enough down, the ocean is quite still and seemingly no influence from the breathing. Uh, so the the breathing is an intimate part of the body, and you can be aware of kind of much of the body, the whole body, the context of the overall body, and then be aware of within that body. There's the the rippling, the movement, the waves of the breathing coming and going. The way the, it's not it's part of the body, but it's not the whole thing. There's more to it. There's depth. There's stillness that's there as well. Then, based on that uh, third stage, then because familiarity with the whole body, then um, is the fourth stage, which is uh, breathing in. When trains oneself breathing in, I calm the bodily formation. Breathing out, I calm the bodily formation. So uh, this is now very active in a sense, and that it's not active like you're running around, but it's doing something. That is, you're actually intentionally trying to calm the, what's called the bodily formation. And the, the word formation is sankara, very important word in Buddhism. Sankara, S-A-N-K-H-A-R-A. And um, the bodily formation is... Uh, the sankara is um, um, is the um, the constructions, the mental activity, which is constructed or created or concocted uh, from um, uh, you know just out of thoughts, out of ideas, but especially out of volition, out of our desires, out of our intentionality or intentions. And it's a, a range of things from the actual um, intentions that we have, that we, the mind has. It also uh, refers to the results of those intentions, the things that are concocted or created or constructed, formed from those activities of the mind. And it's also those things which then, uh, those formations, those background kind of values, ideas, impressions, reactions, that then are the background for future intentions, future reactions, future things. So it's this whole world of inner, what's called mental formations usually. And the bodily formations, the bodily sankara, is that bodily experience which is a result of our mental volitions, mental activity. So if you uh, spend the day being anxious and you sit down in the, after- in the evening to meditate and your shoulders are tense, that tenseness is your bodily experience, but it's a result of volitional activity in the mind. It's a result of the activity of the mind of being anxious. And so you're experiencing the bodily formation, you're experiencing the bodily result of how you use your mind, how you use, how you live, the relationship you have with the world and yourself and everything, and it turns out a lot of the bodily experience we have in meditation uh, is is not just the body, pure and simple, innocent body, just showing itself, but it has a lot to do with a lifetime of holding patterns, a light, lifetime of the way in which our our mental activity has been uh, impregnated, has been influenced, has influenced our body, has kind of adjusted our body. And there's a tremendous, tremendous way, in, in, I think, I believe, in influence that the mind has on our experience of our body that was uh, maybe um, uh, indicated when Abraham Lincoln said, by the time a person's 40, they're responsible for their face. Because there's so much holding. And, and I've seen people from different countries. Uh, this is, I, I hope it's not, uh, I hope it's fair enough to say this, not, not inappropriate. But... Um, uh, I've seen people um, uh, who, children, I'll say this, I'll say exactly how we saw it, but the first time I saw this was 
someone um, uh, introduced themselves to me as being Mexican. They were born and raised in Mexico. But both parents were German. And you could see the German heritage you know, in their genes. You, know, you could see it there. However, there was something very distinctively Mexican about their face. And it was clear that you know, there was something, something, something about their face, the way they held their face, that was different than what you expect from someone from Germany. Now, one way to explain it is, perhaps, is that you use different muscles in your face when you speak Spanish than you speak German all the time. And so you develop you know, subtly different muscles. I'm sorry. For the, I'm sorry for the Germans here. <laughs> and, uh, and also, it's it not just you know, the, the, you know, the language, but it's also you, when you learn a language in a certain culture, you also learn expressions. You learn to express yourself in certain ways and uh, how you use your hands. Like when I learned Italian, I learned to use my hands. Norwegians don't use their hands. Norwegians, you know, kind of just, you know. <laughs> you know, and so it was inconceivable to speak Italian without using my hands. <laughs> and um, so certain muscles get developed. <laughs> and, um, but also, you know, there's expressions in the face that are culturally conditioned because we communicate through expressions in our face. So different cultures have different expressions. So it's really deeply rooted in our kind of in our muscle musculature, the conditions of what goes on in our mind, how their mind you know is used. And some of it is innocent enough; it's normal. And some of it is um, is uh, you know is uh, is you know has tension part of it, it's stress, there's suffering as part of it. And so, and some of it has to do with uh, what, what sometimes the Buddhists call knots. There's deep knots inside our, our, our body that uh, you know, represent old holding patterns. So one of the things that happens in meditation is that these holding patterns get revealed. And it's not uncommon for people, especially new to meditation, to be surprised by the, some of the pains that reveal themselves when they sit and meditate as some of this, these knots and this kind of this, uh, sankharas reveal themselves, the bodily sankharas. So part of the, what the instruction here then is to um, <clears throat> to calm or tranquilize, relax those bodily formations. So that part of your body that's a result of your mind, that you can relax, that you can soften. You, you know, so so if you're aware of some part of your body that's being held in ways that's you know a result of mental activity, uh, that that's that's where we soften, and relax. So the softening, relaxing goes on here calming, tranquilizing. So the first, uh, the third stage then is experiencing the whole body. And one of the things we become aware of when we become aware of the whole body is we become aware of not just the physical body, but the physical body that's affected by the mind. We start seeing the relationship between the mind and the body. One of the things we become aware of is the relationship between the, the body and the breath. The body has an effect on the breathing. How you breathe has an effect. Uh, your body has a, your, your your breathing has an effect on the body, and your body your, your bodily formations have an effect on the breathing. So if you're holding yourself tight all the time, you'll find that your breath is held constricted in various ways, contracted maybe, and so you feel that relationship. You see it in there. So becoming aware of the whole body is not just becoming aware of some you know a lump of physical flesh, but you're becoming aware of something that's actually very dynamic. Which has to do with the relationships, has to do with um, uh, you know how things influence each other, and you're not asked to, in the third stage to change that. You're just asked to become aware of the fullness of that experience of the body, and as you do that, you become aware of how the mind relates to the body, and the mind relates to the bo- to the the body relates to the mind.
Does it make sense enough? Any, any important pressing questions about that? I'd like to uh, avoid mild questions in favor of um, kind of then going and doing a meditation. So, um, so now, I'll, next, next sitting now, <clears throat> I'll guide you a little bit through these two stages of, uh, and we'll see how that goes for you. <clears throat>